Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb, and I'm a senior writer here at HowStuffWorks.com. And with me today is Julie Douglas, who is a longtime writer, editor, pyrotechnician here uh, at HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast, Julie. Thanks, Robert. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, we're going to be uh, taking the uh, the podcast uh, off in an entirely different trajectory now. You know, previously we were stuffed in the science lab. Now we're stuffed to blow your mind. It's kind of like a uh, a joy division to new order uh, Jefferson airplane to Jefferson starship kind of shift here. It's uh, you know the old uh, version was great, but the new version is going to be even more amazing. That's right. I mean, we have everything from like our cats shapeshifters to why are we existing here in this world in this universe. I mean, we're just going to open the portal, and we're going to start the the new iteration. Yes. All right. Let's get this started. Yeah, let's do it. As it happens, we are both cat owners, so uh, we are very familiar with the sight of a cat in its various stages of sleep, which it seems like they have many, just based on their, their bodily position, right? It's true. They're elaborate sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I really love watching my cat in slumber, and... I look at him sometimes and I think, oh, my God, why can't I be you? You just seem so like the the master of the universe here in your 16 hours of various positions of sleep. Yeah, we refer to him, uh, to our cat's uh, uh, sleep levels based on what kind of bread product she resembles. So there's like bread mode where she looks kind of like a loaf of bread. And then, of course, when she gets really relaxed, she goes into full on bagel mode where she's like, you know, very circular, kind of looks like a cinnamon bun. Wow. So it, it and they do sleep a lot. In fact, uh, let's see what's the uh, the total for cats. It's like fifty point six percent of the day, give or take, um, upwards of like twelve point one hours. Yeah, yeah. And I would definitely say my cat's more like maybe on the sixteen hour. I mean, he seriously just doesn't do a whole lot. And I don't know if that's because he's in Maine Coon and he's like this twenty six pound uh, cat. That's you know, like I said, the master of the the universe, and, um, <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. So if he wants to sleep for 16 hours, it's, it's going to happen. It's uh, it's it's interesting because obviously most humans with you know jobs and and you know responsibilities don't sleep 12 hours a day. Um, most, with, yeah, yeah, most. So it's more like in the six to eight range, and you see a wide variety of sleep patterns uh, throughout the animal kingdom. So uh, so yeah, that's that's what we're going to be chatting about today. Um, you know, do all animals sleep? Uh, and what does that consist of for different uh, members of the animal kingdom? Yeah. And why do our cats sleep so much? Yeah. That's, that's you know, I think that is actually a universal question that has got to be answered. So yeah. we're going to try to do that by first approaching sleep. Yeah. What What is sleep? Well, sleep, I think that um, obviously is really important. It's profoundly important on our existence and how we operate physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and I think that we take it for granted, but and we think, oh, okay, we just close our eyes and we mm-hmm. wake up and we get going. Um, in fact, there's so much more going on, and I think that we kind of need to revisit the basics really quickly just to get an idea of how complex sleep is. Yeah. So you've so let's just do a quick recap. I'm sure we've all heard this in uh, school at one point or another, but you know that there's stage one. Uh, which is the lightest sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's when we kind of start to relax our muscles a little bit. And like, is, is this the point where you're, you're reading your book at night and you suddenly start yeah. reading words that aren't actually in the book? Yeah, they all start to sort of yeah. melt together. Okay. And, and this is also the point too where 
you feel like really like, oh gosh, this feels so great. You know, that little voice in your head mm-hmm. that thinks, oh, I've, I've fallen asleep. That's awesome. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're tripping or falling. Right. Um, and that's really your muscles sort of working themselves out. So that's stage one. Hmm. And stage two is when your breathing patterns and your heart rate start to slow down a little bit and your body temperature takes a little bit of a dip. And then stage three are when the delta waves start to roll in and lull you into a, a, a deeper sleep, although you're still sort of fighting with that lighter sleep. And then stage four is known as the delta sleep, which um, sounds like you should really say the delta sleep because, it, um, you know, it's that really slow wave. Um, and that's when you're getting 30 minutes of truly deep sleep. And that is also when... You're capable of sleepwalking. So, oh, okay. yeah. So I don't know if you ever uh, sleepwalked when you were little. No, I don't think I did. No, I did yeah. a lot. And so my parents would see me cruising through the house like 3 a.m. And mm-hmm. my hands would be up like Frankenstein because <laughs> I literally thought I was Frankenstein. I was um, rolling around the house like that. But well, it, wait, in the dreams or just as a child, you were convinced you were Frankenstein? In the dream. Okay. In the dream. Yeah. That yeah I mean, because kids are weird. I could, you know. That kind of thing happens. That's kind of awesome. I kind of wish that I had been <laughs> a kid who thought that she was Frankenstein because I could really freak out the neighbors and just scream fire. <laughs> um, I just, that sounded like Robert De Niro's Frankenstein. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and then stage five is when REM occurs. So that's okay. when you're dreaming um, and that's when you're really working things out, all that data that you've processed throughout the day. Um and that's also where you might be having a dream that, say, you, a dog is mauling your face, God forbid. And, and a dog might be having a dream where it's mauling a human's face. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And to- it, to- two totally different. Two, uh, parallel yeah. dreams at the same time. And the cool thing about this is that uh, you have a sort of built-in mechanism, a paralysis mechanism, mm-hmm. to make sure that you don't freak out during that time period. So the dog doesn't leap out and try to bite. Mm-hmm. In its dream, and I don't try to, you know, take the dog off of me and smash it or interesting. So any, like that. So any of these episodes you hear about where like somebody's having a dream and they start like strangling their spouse or something like, you know, um, like that's not in this stage then. No, no, I think there's something else going okay. on. Well, yeah, because I think I'm probably thinking of Ozzy Osbourne. So there could have yeah, been well, any number of things. You have to wonder too if there are certain medications or substances yeah. that might be messing with the, the natural rhythms. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know that Ozzy was ever on anything, but. No, you know, no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty far fetched for him. Yeah. But yes. So you never know. That's, um, there's certainly external forces that could be acting on that. Okay. So um, there, so we're in this stage. We're, we're dreaming. The brain's being cleared up. Yep. And we're going through these stages about 90 minutes, every 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. So there's a ton of stuff that's going on. And we're also kind of flailing around, moving around. I think I read a stat somewhere that we move around at least seven times per hour. So wow. it's not the, it's not just the slumber that we think of that's all peaceful and, you know, the cat's curled up by your head. I need that stat next time I'm kicked out of bed at three in the morning for moving too much. Yeah. 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 See that, that would be helpful. Yeah. I maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably can't like actually present the stats at three in the morning. Be like, whoa, wait, slow down. Yeah. Check yeah. out this review, uh, this uh, study in the Scientific American. Right. I'm totally supposed to move around. You should be concerned if I'm not kicking you in my sleep, you know? Yeah. On second thought, that might exacerbate the whole situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's good to have that understanding of just what basically what sleep is, because that's the model that we use. Um to study other animals, other creatures. Mm-hmm. We know about theta waves, delta waves. So you know that when they go into these slow, low uh, wave states that they're 
that their brains are preoccupied and that they're dreaming or sleeping, and that's what we assume at least. Mm-hmm. So taking that data, we can now look at, say, our cats and um, measure whether or not they are actually dreaming, and though it's obvious to us, especially when they're twitching around and mm-hmm. chasing mice or whatever they're doing in the dream. Um, but that still doesn't necessarily answer why they are sleeping so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's something that we can look at a little bit closer, but I think with in the case of our cats, it may be that we've kind of done everything for them. And yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here because they don't necessarily have to hide from predators. They have a food source, so they're all nice and cushy. So it, some people say that maybe just that they don't have um, the impetus there to to be more of a, a predator themselves and spend more time awake. Huh. Well, certainly for indoor, totally indoor cats, yeah, that would be the case. Yeah, uh, ours still goes outside and, and kills things, and probably has to avoid things every now and then. So, oh, so that might be why your cat sleeping twelve hours and my cat is lounging around for sixteen hours. Oh, yeah, it's kind of like, hey, there's nothing going on here. I'm going to go into the the chipmunk dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of boring huh. here. That, or sometimes I think of the the movie Inception. Have oh yes, yes, okay. yes. Sometimes I think that my cat's just kind of practicing to to um, put some sort of thoughts in my subconscious when I'm actually hmm. dreaming. They probably are. Probably is that are. is that crazy cat lady talk? A little bit, but I mean, you spend enough time with a cat; those those guys are weird. Um, yeah. The um. Thank you for comforting me. <laughs> well, the the other thing about cats and their predator nature, I I've, I've read some uh, some arguments that uh, if society were to fall apart, um, and uh, you know, and, and humans were gone the next day, like. You know, all the cats would obviously go feral, but uh, but domestic cats would have a better shot at surviving as a species mm-hmm. because they continue these rehearsals uh, for um, you know for predation. You know, they're um, uh, they they continue to even if they're not hunting, they're you know they're attacking things in your living room. You know, they're they're continuing the exercises. It's like a constant terrorist training camp in your <laughs> living room. You know. Um, and, and while dogs, uh, many breeds of dogs, you know, it's like we've either, um, you know, perverted their natural hunting instincts into something ridiculous, you know, right. where, you, you know, it ends up with a, with a, we end up like my parents with a collie that wants to bark at trees, you know, and, and they, they don't really have a, they don't really have a skill set anymore, you know, mm-hmm. they'd be as useless as riders in the, the apocalypse, you know? Wow. I don't know. I don't know. Riders could... They could do, they could take their pencils. They don't even use pencils anymore. What am I saying? <laughs> they, yeah, you're right. They would languish with the dogs. They would begin barking at the trees. Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So we, we have animals that are clocking in a lot of sleep, a little sleep. And yeah. Yeah. They're, they're kind of all over the board. Uh, yeah. I, like we mentioned, the cat is coming in at kind of like fifth, half the day, roughly. And uh, and we should mention that uh, you'll find varying figures on all of this out there on the net because you know sometimes it's like a domestic animal's uh, sleep uh, or or uh, you know a captive animal's sleep patterns versus the wild animal sleep patterns and you know it's hard to get a lot of sleep when someone's trying to eat you. Yeah, that's yeah. true, and that makes sense too because the the ones that are captive, um, it's it's kind of hard to measure some animals, and and so mm-hmm. yeah, some of them would have to be captive in order to get some data off of them. Yeah, like. Um, at the like at the low end of the spectrum, um, like it's hard to beat the giraffe, which is like almost two hours a day, and you know, which is about seven point nine percent of the day. And uh, and you see other like the horse is really low at two point nine hours, the donkey at three point one hours. Um, 
uh, and which is kind of interesting because I guess you like some of these animals. You you're thinking these guys are always on the run, you know, or they've got yeah. to always be ready to 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 you know to just take off at any moment to avoid a predator. So they've you know, apparently evolved, you know, into this state where they just really don't need much sleep. Yeah, which I thought was kind of odd because the the giraffe I understood. I thought, okay, if I'm a giraffe and I'm you know out in the wild. I'm going to be scared that something's about to, you know, uh, put its teeth into my neck or right. or, or whatnot. Uh, but the cow, not necessarily. Well, I guess the cow's one that we've, it's kind of like the, the dogs. We've really perverted the species over time to where they're, you know, they really don't have anything to worry about. But maybe like some, you know, original version of the cow was more survival, uh, you know. Yeah, this would yeah. make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And then I thought what was really cool about the giraffes, too, is that, they they sleep sometimes like at five minutes at a, at a time. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, and and they're really efficient sleepers. So they're not kind of piddling around with the stage one, and they're not having dreams about tripping or you know mm-hmm. falling. They go like straight into deep sleep. Oh wow! Which I really admire. I want to try hmm. to cultivate that for myself. Yeah, they've they, yeah they've really just completely streamlined the process to get right to the goods, the bare minimum to remain. Functional and sane, I guess. Yeah, yeah. They're like the Martha Stewart, I think, yeah. of the, the animal kingdom. They're just, they're being very efficient <laughs> about how they spend their time sleeping. Well, you know, the uh, the elephant, though, is pretty high up there. And that's, you know, what's trying to eat an elephant. Yeah. 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 And there is also the brown bat. Oh, the brown bat's on the, yeah, the, the other end of the spectrum at uh, 82.9% of the day, 19.9 hours of sleep. Yeah. Those suckers are, yeah. I mean... They are layabouts. Yeah, I mean, you can. I, the the thing I was reading about the the brown bat is that a they're flyers, and to fly with wings uh, in this world uh, is it just requires a huge amount of energy. Like that's why uh, one of the reasons you don't have airplanes with flapping wings because uh, you know it might look cool in the uh, you know in the sci-fi movies or the you know the cartoons, but it would require a tremendous amount of energy that just doesn't make sense when you have propellers. Right. Bats don't have propellers, so they got to flap. And by flapping, uh, you know, to, to get things, uh, you know, rolling in the air, they're expending a lot of energy and they're eating like mosquitoes and stuff. So sometimes the best course of action is to just turn it off for <laughs> 19 hours. Yeah, and that would make sense too that they might hide themselves away from predators or yeah, yeah, you know, or if the mosquitoes were only going to be out for a couple hours, you know. Yeah, that's right. Most of your bats are seeking shelter in you know high trees or in caves. Uh, and they'll be in a situation where they really don't have to worry about predators so much, uh, either due to their location or their numbers. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, a- another creature, animal on this list um, is the tree sloth, which is one of my favorite animals. Mm-hmm. I think um, I don't even know how to describe what it looks like other than just like a hairy looking alien. Yeah, maybe? kind of a mossy, hairy alien. Like creature. a muppet even, too. I mean, it's yeah. like a, the muppet that just didn't make the cut. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they're kind of like somber face, kind of cute, like not the baby of yeah. sloths are really cute, obviously. But, but yeah, the adults are, yeah, they, they're kind of like Muppets. Yeah, yeah. And it's maybe like, it, it's cute but menacing at the same time, which is, I think, why it wouldn't have made the Muppet cut, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, but anyway, they're, they're, uh, named sloths, obviously, because, um, they're thought of as, well, not just thought of, but they are very slow-moving creatures. Mm-hmm. But um, in captivity, they actually sleep for 14 hours. But in the wild, they sleep for 10 hours. So that really mirrors more of our own activity. Yeah. Um, so I think um, just just so I can clear up their name a little bit, because they're already saddled with the moniker Sloth. Uh-huh. I just want to get that out there for the Sloth world. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. little shout out. 
Now, human infants are pretty high, too, uh, 66.7% of the day, 16 hours. Yeah, they're crazy high, which makes sense um, because, think of, I mean, again, we go, we've we talked about the data that you're processing during mm-hmm. sleep and just think of all the stimuli. You know, you've been shut in the womb for almost 10 months. Yeah, like everything is new. Light's different. I mean, you yeah, know. some sound is familiar, but mm-hmm. some sound isn't. So it's uh, it's building that database that they have to do. So, I don't know, um, are, are there any creatures that require zero sleep or different types of sleep? How does that work? Well, that's, that's the, the question. Um, I mean, there are, um, there are certainly animals that, uh, that for, for starters can disrupt their normal sleeping patterns for certain special events, you know, like, um, migratory birds, you know, they, they've got to suddenly put into overdrive, travel long distances so they can, uh, they can alter how much sleep they need, um. Now, fish and amphibians are, these are some of the creatures that we're still not completely uh, sure on whether they're sleeping or not, uh, or if they're just, uh, you know, exhibiting resting signs. Um, and again, the typical, like, signs of sleep, you know, it's like you generally you're looking for a reduction in physical activity, discrete, uh, decreased response to outside sim- stimuli. Yeah. Um, and, you know, generally that's, you know, the sleeping creature will, will assume a, a certain position. You know, in order, in order, you know, back to the cats, same thing. Right. Um, so we don't necessarily observe these things going on with fish uh, and amphibians. So, you know, the the, the jury's still still out. So a jellyfish sense. could be like the way deep bottom, and they might have successfully attached a tracking device to it or something. Mm-hmm. And it there's a period of inactivity. You sort of have to assume that maybe they're in a resting state. Is that? Yeah, that, that's kind of how it goes. But again, it, it's you know, it's like like you were saying earlier. We base a lot of it. On the on, on the human mind, and we sort of you know we we use that as the model to try and understand everything. And you know, in some cases, like the jellyfish, I mean, it's we're so distantly related that that maybe it doesn't hold up. You know, but well, right, right, we're anthropomorphizing yeah, ourselves again. Everything. Yeah. Um, now, one of the really cool um, areas of sleep is uh, unihemispheric sleep, and uh, you know, is in the hemispheres of the brain. Mm-hmm, and the two th- hemispheres. Yeah, and this is pretty good. It's kind of like all right, imagine you have a um, you, you have a company with 90 employees, all right, and you're open 9 to 6. And then but you, then you decide, all right, we need to actually be open all the time. You know? So wow. if, so if you it's came like up Walmart. Yeah. So then you're like, all right, well we can't have all 90 employees work all the time because they'll quit and leave or, you know, riot or whatever. So uh, let's have like 30 work here, 30 work here. You know, you end up like mixing it up. And that's that's uh, pretty much what uh, animals such as uh, dolphins and, uh, and uh, you know, and other, um, you know, aquatic mammals do because they're, they're conscious breathers. Okay. So that's the other thing. It's like if they were to go to sleep, mm-hmm. they wouldn't breathe and then they would die. So they've got to be awake in some fashion all the time. So they just turn one hemisphere of the brain off. Is it because they're, is it a function of their biology or is it because they're worried about predators or both? Uh, well, there's that too. Yeah. I mean, you're, the, the, the ocean is an intensely dangerous place. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're, you know, a dolphin and hanging out with other dolphins and, you know, they're, you know, they're pretty rough and tumble characters, but, but still, you know, there's constantly something trying to eat you for the most part. So, uh, so yeah, that what they do, it's kind of, kind of like if you've ever seen, uh, I understand horses and some animals, they'll like, or, or even like, you know, joggers, I don't know, will stand on one leg and rest the other. Yeah. And then switch to the other leg and then rest that one. It's the same thing except with the brain. Okay. So turn one side off, 
let it rest. No, let the other side, yeah, turn one side off and let it rest while the other one powers everything. And then, uh, do the, do the opposite. So you're never turning off both sides of the brain and letting both sides sleep at once, but, but one side is sleeping while the other remains awake. So that allows you to react really quickly. Yeah. And, and yeah. just be a more efficient. Yeah. It's never dolphin. a situation where, um, where, oh, I've got to wake because, um, uh, this is, uh, this actually goes back to, um, to, to say, uh, say, you know, when, when you're asleep and suddenly you're, you have a dream where you're falling. You yeah. Know, and you, you know, fly awake. Um, there are some interesting studies, um, mostly from, uh, psychologist Frederick, uh, Coolidge, uh, who, and he, he's talked about this on, uh, Radio Lab before, I believe. Um, like he argues that the, the idea of having a falling dream, um, that comes from, like, like early hominid history where we were living in trees or mm-hmm. I mean, we were sleeping oh, in them, wow. you know? Okay. So, you know, you're sleeping in a tree. That's a kind of, you know, you're sleeping in a tree. So mm-hmm. if you fall out of that tree, there's, you know, probably all sorts of things just waiting, you know, for, for little, uh, you know, ape creatures to plummet from the branches so they can gobble them up. So if you feel like you're falling instant awake, because you've got to protect yourself, you've got to grab back onto the tree and stay put. So, uh, so they think that's like an evolutionary remnant of those times. That's so cool. Yeah. And for some reason, that just reminded me of my college roommate who was a constantly falling over a bunk bed, but. Like she fell completely off of it? Yeah. I think that again, external <laughs> forces acting on her, I think. Uh, she would have totally been eaten by wolves in the old days. I know. Yeah. I know. Her and Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. <laughs> Both of them. Um, and it, like, I, I don't think I ever get the, f- the falling dreams per se, but I'm, no. I'm always getting these dreams where I'm like drifting off to sleep a little bit. And then I'll dream that I'm slipping on something like on a linoleum floor. Yeah. And I'll be, and I'll just be like, whoa, you know, so that's funny. My, mine is a sidewalk, huh. which, you know, I don't know. I'm going to see if I can lucid dream next time and, and like put a banana peel there or something just to make it a little <laughs> bit more interesting. <laughs> I'm going to try that out. Um, but, but anyway, back to, uh, back to the, the unihemispheric sleep. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's hard for us, you know, again, this is us taking our, you know, using our mind as the model. It's, it's difficult for us to imagine what this would be like, but, uh, scientists, uh, think it might be some sort of like a semi-conscious state, uh, kind of like we experience when we're beginning to fall asleep. So it would not be, it would not be the same as being awake. It would, you would be operating uh, everything at half mast, you know, or half power. Okay. But, uh, but you know, still awake enough to immediately respond to something. There's no like, oh, I think I'm falling. I'm going to wake up. It would be like, there's a predator. I'm going to cut, you know. So for my cat, Owen, I have to say that I think I've actually observed this in him before. Where okay. he's looking at me. This is, this is, I think, why cats get such a bad rap sometimes and are called creepy. But he'll sometimes look at me with one eye open. And it'll be slightly rolled back, so I know that he's in some sort of sleep state. Hmm. So I, I have to wonder if it also extends to to other animals. Huh. Well, um, this is inter- interesting. Just in, in trying to figure out what unis- unihemispheric sleep might be like. Yeah. Um, there's a book uh, called Consider Phlebas by Ian M. Banks. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've read anything by him. No. He's he's written a lot of like just straight-up fiction like The Wasp Factory, and uh, he's a Scottish guy. But he's also written a number of sci-fi novels. And uh, Consider Phlebas was the first uh, book in the Culture series, which is it's like a space opera kind of thing, but he, he throws in a lot of, like, really cool science and, uh, you know, and philosophy and stuff. Like, it, it's it's nice, you know, brain fodder uh, as far as sci-fi goes. Uh, but uh, in this book, there's a character named uh, Craiklin who has, quote, enhanced hemispheric task division in his brain. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and the way it works out is that one, th- so he's doing exactly what the dolphins do, but because he's a dangerous mercenary and has to be, you know, be, you know, on, uh, you know, alert at all times. So one third of the time though, one, you know, one half sleeps. And so he's a little bit dreamy and vague. And then another third of the time, he's all logic and numbers and he can't communicate all that well with other people. <laughs> and then for the other third of the time, he's completely awake. So, uh, so I found that really interesting, like, because obviously Banks was trying to imagine how, um, unihemispheric sleep would translate, uh, to the human experience. To the left and right brain. Yeah. Right. So, right. So one part of us would be really analytical and the other part would be, yeah, composing arias, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. It would be, it would be a weird life because you'd have to, it seems like you'd probably have to want to line up and coordinate with your coworkers, with your spouse or significant other, with, you know, how you'd, ha- you'd have to really organize your life along which sleep pattern you were, uh, you know, which part of your brain was functioning. Well, I think you'd have to actually color code yourself. I think everybody would because yeah. it wouldn't be just you, right? It would be. Yeah, yeah, it'd be everybody. Everyone. So that would be interesting, a world where everyone has unihemispheric sleep. You'd have to be like, like, oh, I can't ask Julie about this right now because obviously she's all numbers and no speech. You right. Know? She's all green shirt today. Yeah. Forget it. Or green flag <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. I'm, see, I'm already trying to organize this. I'm really intrigued <laughs> by it. Well, we've got unihemispheric sleep. Um, we also have something called torpor, right, which is sort of a re- Reduced version of hibernation, and I think mm-hmm. we should probably just mention that because yeah, because people might be thinking, hey, how about bears? Aren't right. they sleeping for months? Not really. Right, right, because they're they're taking their their bodies down to the studs, yeah. so to speak. I mean, they're just shutting everything down, um, so there's not much brain activity there. But uh, torpor is sort of a re- uh, not as extreme version of hibernation, and mm-hmm. that's found in hummingbirds. Um, yeah, yeah, we were talking about this earlier, uh, and I believe it's. Uh, yeah, they, they, they mentioned this, I think, in Attenborough's The, the Life of Birds at one point, where humming, we were talking about how much energy it takes to fly. Right. And hummingbirds are the extreme of this. They just consume a colossal amount of energy. Yeah, their heart rate is something like 1,200 yeah. beats per minute or second or Yeah, something. they're just, they're completely inefficient. Yeah. And so when they go to sleep, they actually seriously, like, knock themselves out pretty much. Um, they hang upside down like a bat, mm-hmm. and they they uh, sleep overnight. And this is actually called torpor because it's not necessarily what we think of as sleep-sleep. It's just a, it's a lighter version, again, of hibernation. And they really – but they need that time period because, like you said, they're not very efficient at conserving their energy. Mm-hmm. So you could go up to a hummingbird and just kind of tap it, and you might think it's dead. Uh, it actually won't even react. Um, but that's how it's getting its seas and – and it's just kind of another interesting way to think about sleep. Because yeah. I know at some point this is sort of semantics. You know, we think about sleep, sleep, hibernation, torpor. But mm-hmm. it's all about just shutting it down. And there's a reason why we do that. Because, you know, we've we've got to get the benefits of sleep. Um, yeah, what's the payoff? What is, uh, what's Owen or, in my case, Biscuit doing all this time when they're... Well, I think with, with Biscuit and Owen, they're, they're definitely... Um, Again, because they're not out in the wild, they're maybe not recharging as much mm-hmm. as a human would. Um, but they're definitely working through the data and they're processing. And, and who knows? Well, we don't know what they're dreaming about, but like you said, they're, they're really, um, their skills are still intact. You gotta wonder if maybe they're still putting themselves through the paces. Right. She said, well, I think it was like, like, car- uh, cat terrorist attack, uh. Yeah, like a terrorist training camp. <laughs> Tra- cats, training camp, right? yeah. Um, so they may just be putting themselves through their exercises and, uh, jumping through hoops and whatnot they do in dreams. But, um, 
So one of the things that we know about sleep is that it helps us to repair all the muscles and the tissues. Um, and it also helps us to review the data that we've taken in. And it makes us more adaptive to the environment around us. Because every day you, you, there's something new that you're taking in. I mm-hmm. mean, it could be that you're driving to work and you see the sunlight, you know, dappling a leaf. Um, but you're not necessarily really going to dwell on that. So your brain just kind of goes, you know, files it away. Mm-hmm. And that might be something that it recalls later, just as part of the vast amount of data it has to sort through. So I was thinking about this and I thought, what is the most extreme version of the benefits, like who, that we know of, that we can study? And that would certainly be human infants. Because mm-hmm. as we have mentioned, they sleep up to 16 hours a day and about 50% of that time they're dreaming. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's an organism that is working really, really hard at developing neural pathways and um, doing all sorts of crazy things to try to get its body bigger, faster, its mind bigger and faster. I mean, the, the human mind actually develops the um, in the first two years, 70% of its mass. So um, they're doing a lot of work there. So I thought that was, that was kind of a cool thing to look at because if you compare it, humans, uh, human adults are actually spending about 25% of their time dreaming. So think about the human infant. It's building up its own new, fresh database. And you you take that sort of model and you start to apply it to other forms. So if you look at, um, like there's a study that MIT did with um, rats basically saying they were performing these repetitive tasks and then they were sleeping and they mm-hmm. were performing them again and they were doing exceedingly well. And so we know this in humans, too, that you learn something, you sleep and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know, you're like Keanu Reeves and <laughs> um, you're in the Matrix uh, and, and, you know, well, you're not that good. But but still, it's kind of like when people say, like, oh, I need to sleep on this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think was it. um Roosevelt, who just wouldn't make any major decision without taking a nap, which I thought was, you know, pretty great. Yeah, I think that he always carried like a cot with him, and it's yeah. like he w- it would be in the middle of like uh, you know international like conference, and they'd someone ask him a question, he'd be like, I don't know, and they pull out the cot. Eight hours later, he'd have an answer. See, I kind of want to do this at work. <laughs> I don't know how well it would go down, but you know, I think I think it's worth a shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can try to introduce that, and then you think about Paul McCartney, um, who who claims that yesterday was written in a dream. And he hmm. woke up and just ran to the piano and got it down as, as quickly as he could. So if you think about the benefits of sleep and particularly for humans, it's, it's a, it's a great place to repair your body and to also work through all the anxieties, fears and hopes that you have in like this sort of safe place. So it's sort of like a blackboard of the mind. Um, so if you apply that again, if you look at the, at the rats, you can see that the same thing is happening in other species. That rats too are taking data and running through it, and cats are, and they're coming out much better on the other end. So it's kind of like, just as our computers are running their defrag programs at like three in the morning or scanning for viruses, it's kind of like the dream, our dream cycle and our sleep are, is uh, is achieving the same thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, actually, when I was looking at a lot of this data, I was thinking about um, how much of this is so similar to a computer, which makes sense because humans, if uh, created. Computers and it's sort of based on the way that we. You say that think. like maybe we didn't create. Uh, well, you know, you've got some, you've got some other theories blown around there. Yeah, I don't know if this is the space one, but <laughs> I'm not going to mention aliens. I'm not. 
Um, but then uh, you also have, uh, and I think it's important to also mention that not all creatures dream too. Reptiles, we don't think that they dream. I should say that because well, I mean, look at them. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, they've got you know primordial goo in there. I don't know, <laughs> um, but they actually they're not exhibiting any sort of waves that we can we recognize as right. dreaming. So it may just be that we're limited in in what we can sense in them. But I just think it's important to throw that out there. Um, so we can really only theorize about the benefits of animals. Obviously, uh, obviously we can't go up to them and say, "Hey, giraffe, what?" How is this benefiting you? Um, but I think the difference between humans and animals is that for animals, it's more about external forces. Mm-hmm. Um, the, they're reacting to their external forces. They're behaving in, in different ways. Um, because of that, you know, we sleep during the day, or excuse me, at night because we work during mm-hmm. the day. They don't have this sort of pressures or concerns. And so they may be sleeping when there's a predator around. So um, we know that they're benefiting from it because they, they're not going to get eaten. So right. they're going to, you know, squirrel themselves away, so to speak. Um, so that's a benefit to them. And it's, and it's something that we can theorize about. But again, we can't, we don't have any definitive answers on, right. on how now, it's affecting them. Now we can definitely deprive them of their sleep and see what happens. And there've been a number of yeah. interesting slash scary studies, um, <laughs> creepy studies about that. Um, for instance, there was a, there was a Princeton University uh, study in which uh, they deprived a uh, number of animals of sleep, and they found that like 72 hours without sleep um, results in elevated stress hormone levels, and uh, the the animals end up producing significantly fewer brain cells, which again flows right back into what we're talking about: the processing of all the stimuli, mm-hmm. the recharging, you know, of the uh, of the uh, you know the the fleshy computer. Um, and I like that fleshy computer. <laughs> Uh, and they, they also found that, like, specifically, like, uh, you know, we were talking about rats earlier, um, uh, like two weeks without sleep, kill a rat dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, same, same thing with other rodents and, uh, and even, uh, even flies. Like, uh, you know, like I say, we're not sure about all insects, but if, like, apparently there's a, they tried to deprive flies of sleep and found that flies died. So. Which makes sense. I mean, you know. I'm sure you've pulled all nighter before. We all have. Yeah, you feel horrible. You feel <laughs> awful. And if for some reason you did that two days in a row, then your your cognitive functions are like going to break down a lot. I mean, you're going to have to wear your your green shirt or yeah. whatever. Like half my brain is out. Yeah, uh, and um, it, it's interesting. I've also read that like there's like a specific uh, gene. Uh, that like some people have, like, you know, that there, there's some people, people that are like, if I don't get my six to eight hours of sleep, I just can't function. Right. And, uh, and then other people seem to be able to pull the all nighters with a little more finesse. And there's uh there's like a genetic marker for that, uh, that they've really? identified. Yeah. I, I don't have the name of it offhand, but we, I think we mentioned it in the previous podcast. So it's not necessarily that they're lacking, uh, what, if, what is the, um, Oh gosh, can't, it's not coming to me right now, but there's a certain, I think, hormone that, um, mm-hmm. that we have that helps, re- uh, melatonin. Yeah. That regulates that. It's not necessarily that they have a, a little or a lot melatonin. It's just that they've adapted somehow. That yeah. Way, it's just a different, it's... you know, just a different evolutionary, um, you know, adaptation. So it's okay. one of the things where if like, you know, some sort of space predator came down and started eating everybody that couldn't pull all nighters, then we'd all, We'd only have that one variation of humans left. So I but, think it's good to know that. And yeah. I say that because I think I read somewhere that Oprah only sleeps like six hours a night. And I was like, wow, <laughs> another way in which Oprah is making me feel like, I, you know, I'm not doing all that I should be 
Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Oprah. So uh, the fruit fly thing really kind of cracks me up because I think, how, how exactly did they deprive them of sleep? Yeah, I, I, I picture them just sort of poking them in the shoulder with like a little stick. Okay, I, I was I was thinking about these tiny little cigarettes they might have fashioned and some tiny <laughs> little cups of coffee, just keep them caffeinated and up. Yeah, well, that's that's the interesting when they talk about the sleep. Uh, you know, these animals like just being super stressed from not sleeping. It's kind of like I would be really stressed too if like somebody was making like preventing me from sleep. You know? Right. You know that would. Uh, you, you know what's this guy doing in my room, poking me with a stick all night? You know. Right. Enough with the tiny cigarettes. <laughs> That makes me think of this too. Is that I've heard that when you're um, when you're really stressed out during the day, that that does mess up your cortisol levels, mm-hmm. which tend to peak during the nighttime hours. Which usually your circadian rhythms would be, you know, stomping on that, making sure that you, you know, yeah, that wouldn't be happening. So I'm just sort of fascinated with that because I, I wonder if the same thing happens in animals and their cortisol levels also go up, or if that's just a particularly human thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like humans don't get enough uh, sleep. You know, they, they say at least, you know, degradation of uh, memory. Yeah. You can't, you know, hold as many facts. Your alertness level, coordination, judgment, everything kind of tumbles downhill. So supposedly like, like Keith Richards stayed awake for like a week once or something. So uh, I'm not See, sure I would never recovered. put him in the same column with Navy SEALs. Yeah. But now I am. That's, yeah. Uh, it's like imagining a whole team of them. A whole team of, uh, of of Keith Richards esque Navy <laughs> SEALs, sort of like stumbling into a secret hideout and mumbling about stuff. So. Okay, that was that was not good. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, so there you have it, right? That's yeah. uh, that's pretty much animal sleep. So do all animals sleep? A large number of them do. There's some we're not sure about, uh, but sleep is different things depending on what your species happens to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, we still don't know what our cats are dreaming about. Um, we want to know. We want to hear from you. Do you are your cats dreaming about something? Are they trying to plant thoughts in your subconscious? Yes. Let us know. Uh, pretty much any yeah thoughts you have about your cat's uh, brain activity, we would be happy to hear it. Yeah. So hey, if you want to learn more about sleep uh, and dreams, uh, be sure to check out uh, the HowStuffWorks dot com website. We have articles like "Do All Creatures Sleep" by Jessica Toothman. We got uh, a couple of articles uh, from Charles Bryant, uh, "Sleep Important," you know, "Why Do We Sleep." And uh, we even have How Sleep Works by uh, Marshall Brain himself. Thanks for listening. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. <laughs>